0: look what we have got here it has been a while and you know with baseball back in the spring leagues Agritalk has its regular lineup back for a friday free-for-all we've got to talk trade and e-15 and legislation to pay the bills and while it might not be a lot of fun we've got to talk about what is happening in the grain markets
1: Live from the final countdown to the weekend via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning, it's a Friday for all with panelists Sean Haney from Real Ag Radio and pro-farmer policy OG Jim Weesmeyer. Directly following the news, Jennifer Scheich from Farm Journal's pork, Ah, uh, handsome newsman Davis Michelson. And now, welcome the host of AgriTalk, Jeff Laurie. All
0: right. It's been almost two months since we've had the team together, Davis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it is very nice to have Wiesmeyer and Haney on board for this after for this morning's conversation. Glad that you are here to be part of that conversation with us. Uh, and, boy, we've got, a, a, as I said in the open, we've got a lot of ground to cover with the spending bills, the appropriation bills. Uh, deadlines are, are coming right up, and it doesn't look like there's a lot of days to get much, if any, work done between now and March 1 and March 8. So what do we do with that? I, do, 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 I don't know. Do we kick the can further down the road, Davis?
1: You know, I'm just trying to come to grips with the fact that this was only a four-day work week. It feels like somehow they've snuck in like eight or nine days into you know, this week.
0: You know, and now that you're another year older, you mm-hmm. d- is, is that what you think, just, you know, let's just derail it and go straight back over there? I think
1: so, yeah. Oh, That's, okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. It's, it's better than coming it. up with an answer. You've earned <laughs> it. <laughs> but seriously, though, man, I mean, just I hear so you. much
1: has happened. This has been one of those, quote, unquote, holiday-shortened weeks. That yeah. is not short at all, brother.
0: Right, right. Yeah, That y- you've got that right. I mean, the conversation that we had yesterday with uh, – uh, Troy Bredenkamp from yep. uh, from Renewable Fuels Association. We touched several of those items that we are watching for the year ahead to tip in favor of ethanol in the year ahead, mm-hmm. and kind of give us a head start uh, or uh, a boost in the industry. and And uh, there's there's a lot of things that we're going to continue to watch, and we'll talk about what's on that list here this morning as well all right buddy let's get to the news what do you got
1: let's start with the weather light snow over parts of northern new england on saturday sounds lovely light snow over parts of the upper midwest to the central Appalachians. rain along the east coast from the mid-atlantic to the southeast on saturday
0: yeah a little bit of a chance for snow here in northern iowa but it's not going to turn into much i at least i don't think it is
1: Well, Chip, you alluded to this a moment ago, but the Environmental Protection Agency announced a decision to approve petitions from eight Midwest governors, including Iowa, allowing summertime sales of E15 within those eight states. However, Chip, EPA will delay implementation until 2025, claiming there's not enough time to make the rule work by this summer. Iowa Renewable Fuels Association CEO Matty Shaw has mixed feelings.
0: Very excited that we finally have a final rule, even if it's a year and a half late. But we're equally frustrated that that the last minute they delayed it yet another year because now we don't know what is going to come uh, for consumers and motorists in the summer of 2024. So there's
1: your kick in the can down the road, Chip.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, no question about it. And we we will talk about this with Wiesmeyer, but it, when it comes to biofuels mm-hmm. and presidential administrations, why is it that they just won't, you know, pick? They try to make too many people happy with their decisions. Mm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Therefore, mm. everything's kind of, you know, it it it's not a, a full force for ethanol on this. But we're, they're they're making progress.
1: Yeah. Well, tip restaurant prices were up 5.1 percent last month compared to January 2023. U.S. Labor Department data shows grocery store costs increased 1.2% during the same period. Relief is not on the immediate horizon as restaurant and food company executives continue wrestling with higher labor costs and more expensive ingredients. You know, we talk about those softs on a on a run here. Well, that impacts your uh, food prices, Chip.
0: Yeah, it certainly does. No doubt.
1: Well, the CNN fear and greed indicator is currently at 78, signaling extreme greed, a significant shift from its extreme fear reading of 20 in early October. The indicator increasingly followed on Wall Street amalgamates seven momentum and sentiment indicators, offering a comprehensive view of investor and market sentiment. Despite a slowdown in the farm economy and rising interest rates, ag real estate values remained robust until the close of 2023. Reports from Federal Reserve District surveys indicate that the value of non-irrigated cropland surged by up to 10% in certain regions compared to the previous year. Brazil's 2023 soybean exports reached a record 3.74 billion bushels, 29% higher than the previous year, as Brazilian production hit record levels. Meanwhile, U.S. shipments dropped 14% to 1.78 billion bushels during the same period. Together, the two countries ship over 80% of global soybean
0: exports. need to fight to get some of that market share back.
1: Iowa Republican Senator Chuck Grassley says millions of taxpayer dollars funneled through the EPA's grant programs were not used correctly. While the funds were used to cover recipient organizations' overhead costs and operating expenses, Grassley says the expenditures did not produce tangible results that demonstrate the efficacy of the Environmental Justice Program, Chip.
0: All right, Davis, hey, thank you so much. Let's bring in Jennifer Scheich, editor of Farm Journal's Pork. Good morning, Jennifer. Good morning. So, 2023 was a rough year in the hog industry, no question. But there are some shining spots out there, and exports are one of them.
2: Yeah, a real big one. I mean, this year, the numbers came in in December, and everybody expected... It, the year to end well, but I don't, I think it was just a little bit better than I guess I expected from what I had been hearing analysts say. Uh, we ended up just being just shy of 30% um, of US pork predict- production going out in exports. And, um, you know, that's a really significant amount. And when you think about how tough the year has been for hog farmers, being able to have um, an extra, you know, that $65 contributed to the price of a pig coming from the value of exports. Jeez. Every dollar matters. And so, um, you know, really exciting stuff. Mexico continued to lead the way as being the record breaker this year in both volume and value um, for where exports went. And so that's pretty exciting. I mean, Mexico is huge for us. Obviously, ham continues to be kind of the, you know, the main the main draw there. But we're really doing a lot of work to to push the pork loin and its versatility and its nutritional profile, um, not only in Mexico, but in all of our, our markets that we're trying to export more pork to. So uh, lots of lots of, you know, big things moving there. But, I, you know, I think for me, the thing that stood out to me was this isn't just a fluke and it wasn't just kind of a one you know, kind of a blip on the radar, um, because we are seeing a really great start to 2024. In fact, last week was, um, they said it was the largest weekly export volume on record. So, uh, year to date, we're up nearly 30% in pork exports this year.
0: Already, already. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fantastic. That good news. You bet. We're talking about some silver lining there for the hog industry. 65 bucks ahead, and it's probably going to be more than that in 2024 is what exports mean to the bottom line jennifer great stuff thank you thank you all right get more on that at www.porkbusiness.com the free-for-all is coming up next jim wiesmeyer sean haney davis michelson and me
3: go on the offensive against weeds with antares complete from helena
1: In the afternoon, you've calmed down, but you're still thinking. We're here all day. Agritalk.
0: Welcome back to Agritalk. I'm Chip Ledger with us for this Friday Free for All. Davis is here. I think. Yes, there yes, he is. Yeah, there he is. What? Oh, uh, yeah. Pro former policy analyst Jim Weismeyer.
3: I'm here, Jim.
0: All Pretty right, good, buddy. All right, and Real Agriculture, Real Ag Radio's, Sean Haney. How you doing, Sean?
6: Heidi Ho, great to be here, Chip.
0: Yep, it's good to have the team together. We got baseball play- being played already, guys.
6: Wow. Yeah, and yeah. What the Dodgers scored yesterday, like eight runs in the first inning?
0: Yeah. Man, something oh. like that. Yeah, so gonna more more unnecessary rules to speed up the game. Um I don't like seeing that, but <laughs> But here we go. Here we go. Chip
6: Flory, the purist.
0: Yep. Yep. Leave it alone. There's no clock in baseball. Shouldn't be anyway. All right. Let's get to this because, Jim, March 1, we've got uh, the first deadline on the appropriation bills, which includes ag spending, the USDA budget. And then the the rest of the appropriations have a deadline of March 8. I don't know how they're going to get anything done by march 8th jim
7: yeah well the house comes back the 28th and the senate the 26th so sometime this weekend chip we could see something break as far as possible uh negotiations but it's still going to take time so odds would favor at least another attempt for an extension now Some of the conservatives in the House Republican Party don't want that, but we'll see. I think there'll be another extension. But Democrats will not go for any extension beyond April 30th, because you'll recall that'll trigger that 1% across the board spending cut.
0: I'm hearing some comments from the Republicans that instead of preparing for another extension, it's time to prepare for a shutdown.
7: You do hear that, and you've you've seen a number of congressional aides have been quoted that they say, "Oh, it, it, there's so much to do. We could have a short-term shutdown uh, until they can get an agreement on the March one, you know, funding levels." As you said, it includes. Yeah. Uh, uh a usda but i don't think the republican leadership wants that to occur but uh and I, he's eventually going to have to by he the speaker uh uh mike johnson, johnson republican louisiana We'll probably it's going to have to deal with the Democrats. and And frankly, if there's any call to to do away with the uh, Johnson, the Democrats are signaling that they'll give him the votes to keep in office. So that's the tonic you need to get at these uh, rebels in the house
6: well, and and that's a big change from what happened to McCarthy because the Democrats refused to save McCarthy. So that that's that's a bit of a a shift. But you know, if if you listen to some of the speeches from CPAC yesterday, when they talked about government shutdown, there was a lot of cheers in the audience. Yeah. So there, there is definitely a portion on the Republican side that believe the best possible thing is, is a, is a shutdown. Uh, and, and all of that's in reference to the, the, border issues fun, fun, fix the border issue first, or you're not getting an extension or funding or anything, which is uh, that that's a real bit of a old West standoff.
7: Yeah, shut down or shut the border. We went through that the last time. Yeah, yeah. and they caved. They cave The Republicans caved again. And so again, you're going to need Democratic votes to get it through. So you may as well. You've got to compromise. And and uh,
0: the now, what are you talking about here? The appropriations or the border?
7: Uh, well, both, but especially okay. appropriations. Yeah, okay. because the the rebels in the House Republican side. Uh, And including the Freedom Caucus put out a list of writers uh, amendments they want on this bill, and the Democrats clearly will not go along with them. So it's not based in reality, Chip. So sooner or later, uh, the speaker is going to have to make a decision. Okay, do we just uh, uh, you know, work with the Democrats again so I get the votes in order to pass an actual extension first and then try to come up with a total agreement on the appropriation bills. They may have to divide some of these bills up again into individual bills.
0: I was, uh, well, his, I was just going to ask if cooked. they were going to chop it up.
7: They could. They
6: could. Possibility. His goose is cooked if he... If he... Yeah if he sides, you know, he takes yeah. some Democrat votes to to make this happen. He no, because the, the Democrats, Democrats will give me. him
7: the votes to mm. stay in. Y-
6: but right. But from, from really the think? I do. And oh, OK, so and how long does that last? <laughs> and 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 then and we will see a significant turn from the the CPAC crowd. In in doing everything possible to remove the rhino Speaker Johnson.
7: Yeah, well, you won't. Well, nothing will be done after this until the 20 until the November 5th elections anyway. So not much is going to happen. So let's get on with it.
0: So so not it's not just priority one. It's the only priority. Is get the spending bills done and. And And so campaign
7: and And campaign
0: and campaign. Yeah, that's exactly what's going to happen. The other the other alternative here uh, is isn't it to just take a one percent across the board spending cut on everything?
7: Well, some people may want that, but boy, your defense doesn't need that chip. So your conservatives won't like this one percent across the board spending cut, and the Democrats won't won't back it either. So there, there's your dilemma. They don't if, want that one percent across the board. So there's elements of compromise here, but both sides are going to have to give. Both sides. Spending if, is if never
0: going to get under control, is it? <laughs>
7: <laughs> unless the bond market uh, uh in a few years from now uh realizes that uh washington can't solve problems so they'll they'll pounce and that's when it gets really ugly
6: if there is a compromise okay so johnson takes some votes from the democratic the democrat side how does that how does that play into the election narrative and is it help or hurt either of the sides.
7: If you have a shutdown, I don't care what the Republicans say, it'll hurt the Republican Party. They're always blamed for shutdowns and it'll be as a result of the rebel conservatives. So you don't want a shutdown. Even the leadership should understand that. Eventually, you're going to have to fund. There's two major reasons for the Washington government is to protect our country, and that's more the executive branch as well. And then to fund the government, that's Congress period. So Mm -hmm. again, get on with it. They're going to have to have compromises in the spending levels. And so we're going to see, I think this weekend, if you don't have some sort of announcement by Saturday or Sunday that we've reached a framework agreement, that's usually the phrase they use, but we may need a few more days to get this done, even though they've been off two weeks, by the way, in the house, Uh. two weeks. Uh, I think that's gonna have to uh yeah yeah uh, I think that's the way it'll happen but if there's a few days shutdown I don't know how that will be read but, you know you know politically maybe they can get by with a few days of shutdown
0: yeah I think they probably i think they could I, and it feels like uh, it it feels to me like if Johnson wants to hold on to his leadership role, he he might have to manage Congress through three, four, five days of a shutdown, and then bring it back and get things done.
6: Well, I I heard this week that he's been having a hard time fundraising because some some people don't want to rate you know don't, don't want to bother getting a whole bunch of money stirred up for him because they don't think he's going to be there that long. <laughs> so you know, that, that's not going to help us. <laughs>
0: so maybe he doesn't care about that. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Um, okay, Jim, here's at the end of last year, at the end of last year, when you were out giving speeches everywhere, uh, one of the things that you w- were talking about that I think caught everybody's attention was the dysfunction of this Congress and you were kind of rating it. Uh, you know, is it just how bad is it? Is it worse today than it was at the end of the year?
7: Yes. In my speeches. Now I say, it's not like hurting cats. It's hurting feral cats. Oh boy. That's the best way I can explain it to an audience. Well, I gave a speech
6: last week where I had like a a garbage bin and it was on fire. Does this,
0: does that, does that fall into <laughs> it as well? So you're into pyrotechnics now uh, at Real Ag? Uh
6: It gets, it does get a good laugh from the audience. It, it, uh, it's cheap here.
0: <laughs> I'll bet. I'll bet. Jim, um, it, it just, uh, it, 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 again, it, well, pro-farmer editor Brian Grady, who's coming up here with Markets Now in just a moment, and I emailed back and forth a little bit. And the combination of what is happening in Congress, the combination of what is happening in presidential politics, is it just makes me wonder how we got to where we're at. I know we can't answer that question in a short period of time, but let's talk presidential politics next.
3: Time for Markets Now with the experts from Pro Farmer.
0: Pro Farmer editor Brian Grady joins us right now. Beach, I almost want to take today off. All right. Yes.
8: March Corn's. March Corn's different day.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. It is. March Corn's got a low of 398.5 today. What's going on?
8: Yeah. Here? So, below $4 obviously there, and, and new contract lows, and, and just more of the same. Uh, just cannot get any kind of uh, traction in here. We saw some uh, corrected buying overnight, and, and you know, that was generally across the, uh, the grain and soy markets, but boy, it's, it's pretty broad based here this morning. Uh, soybeans, uh, they're leading us to the downside, and, and they had a new marketing year low for export sales, and, and uh, That's just terrible. Yeah, just not not much uh, friendly news right now. Wheat actually has been performing uh, much better than the other markets, but uh, even the wheat markets are under pressure this morning.
0: Yeah, just 55,900 metric tons of bean sales in, uh, in their latest reporting period. Just an absolute terrible total on bean sales there. Take us over to the livestock trade. Things look good there
8: oh much better much better so um, you know moderate to strong gains across the uh, the cattle market this morning Uh, live cattle and feeder cattle uh, both are are trading solidly to the upside we have the cattle on feed report this afternoon Uh, placements expected to be down almost 12 percent from year ago so that'll be a a critical number in in that uh, data set as as we look at that after the markets close this afternoon And then hog futures, uh, they continue to push to the upside. Now, April had a big up day, uh, intraday yesterday, and trading within that range today, but higher.
0: Good stuff, Brian. Great. Thanks, buddy. Pro Farmer Editor, Brian Grady.
3: Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena.
1: Opinions expressed on Agritalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. You're listening to Agritalk, where the conversation begins. Join us at eight five five
0: four talk ag Welcome back to Agritalk. I'm Chip. Glad that you are with us. We've got the free-for-all going today. Davis Michelson, Jim Weismeyer from Pro Farmer, Sean Haney from Real Agriculture, Real Ag Radio. Um, California Governor Newsom is in Washington, D.C. again, Jim. Is, are we getting closer to swapping out candidates?
7: <laughs> well, there's a governor's meeting, so I, I think it's not a direct connection. But we we still don't know who's going to be the candidates. It, despite, on the Republican side, uh, Trump, uh, the the clear signal, uh, but uh, with his legal problems, will there be a, a, a verdict against him? If that's the case, this is why Nikki Haley wants to stay on board, Chip, because uh, Iowa caucus and New Hampshire primary participants said, one third of each said that they wouldn't vote for Trump uh, if that were to occur. And on the Democratic side, Biden's numbers continue to go down. Gallup had an approval rating of 38 percent and dismal on a number of uh, issues, especially immigration. And uh, there, he's trying to come up with the uh, border security angles uh, uh, that you'll see announced uh, soon, if not this weekend. And uh, it's a little late for that.
6: You know, yeah. yesterday I had an interview with and I've never heard him speak before. I know nothing about him, but I was impressed by the his comments. The governor for Utah, Spencer Cox, who's a Republican, okay. he is chair of the governors' association. And you want to talk about pushing for uh, bipartisan, you know, reaching across the aisle, listening to different perspectives, trying to understand, like just sort of some of the common sense that sort of used to happen and and was less of the tribal stuff. I really was impressed by the, the interview that I, I heard with him. He He's maybe an up-and-comer.
0: You know, normally I would say, wow, yeah, I like that. Um, in this case, I think I'm going to say it works in Utah. I don't know if it works in D.C.
6: <laughs> well, they're, they're, that's one of the problems, yeah. Yeah. Know.
0: You know, and that's part of the the issue with how we ended up where we are. With the choices that we've got for this fall, we've discouraged and basically scared off what could be some really good candidates from raising their hand and saying, yes, uh, the United States needs my leadership. I'm the guy to do the job, and here's why I can do it. Uh, and in the case of some that have proven their leadership abilities, that did raise their hand, that did campaign, they were still pushed aside by the uh, by by the 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 Trump uh, the attractiveness to Trump, Jim. I don't know how else to explain it.
7: Well, the extremes in both parties are really running the parties right now. Uh, And uh, I'll tell you, I've talked to a lot of younger voters and they really don't identify anymore with the traditional Democrat or Republican. They're more libertarian, Populist, and I think that's going with the what we're seeing right now. I think it's the Middle Ages of U.S. politics, and uh, we'll be over it in about a, a you know couple of years once this election is over. Uh, I was asked at the Missouri Pork Expo, which was a great meeting in 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 the Ozarks, by a, a person in the audience who's actually pushing Biden to seek reelection because we all know yeah. he's in trouble. And when I got that question, I immediately said, His wife, Jill, why would you yeah. put your husband through that? I don't you know? know? So, and I saw a lot of head shake in the audience. So,
0: but, but that's on, the impression that I've got too, Jim.
7: Yeah. And on the Republican side, I mean, Trump should be further ahead of Biden in the polls. And he isn't. And Nikki Haley says this. she's up 15 to 17 points against Biden, where Trump is, what, four to five percent, maybe as much as seven. I doubt it. Four to five percent. That signals Trump. He may win the 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 selection on the Republicans, but he's going to have trouble winning the White House.
6: Yeah. Well, I I, I think it was Mark Halpern from Newsmax said that what it's going to take for is like is is Jill Biden. Or it's going to take maybe the Obamas to sit President Biden down and say, Joe, it's over. Yeah, you, 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 you need to do what's if you really believe in what's best for the party and what you think is best for the country. You need to give us a shot and giving us giving us a shot is not you as the candidate. If that doesn't happen, he's maybe the candidate.
7: And isn't the it shot late, will though? come if he if no, no, it isn't. Uh, Lyndon um, Johnson went out March 31st, 1968. Yeah. Uh-huh. So they are super delegates on the Democratic side that you can, you know, maneuver or even as well, late as the convention. Not easy, but uh, and, it, it can be done. But here's wow. the thing. Without Biden on the ticket, the enthusiasm factor comes back to the Democrats yeah. favor right yeah. now there's a gap the enthusiasm is not there and that's why i think uh trump is ahead in the polls because th- you you'll have a significant number of democrats who just won't come to vote they won't vote for trump but they would just won't
0: vote yeah yeah interesting um it, jim very early on in this whole discussion about when if biden would decide i'm not going to run what how late is too late um uh, Your argument all along has been he doesn't want to be a lame ducker for any longer than what he needs to be. And based on that, now I'm seeing seeing commentary that he may wait until the convention to make the announcement that he's not going to run.
7: I wouldn't rule that out. I really think he wants to go minimally until March, the State of the Union address, March the 7th, Chip. Okay. And we'll see, and he wants to see how he does. What, are, what is the reaction? I think that's his last pitch to the American public. It's, that's where you have your last audience. After that, it's all politics
0: after that. So we'll see. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Let's talk a little trade issues. Uh, page four this week of Pro Farmer. I don't want to read it word for word. I wish we could because it's awesome. It is uh, really, really uh, worth the time to spend reading that. But we had Bob Hemisath on earlier this week. He is a farmer from Decor. He's very involved in Iowa Corn, NCGA. He's the new president of uh, Farmers for Free Trade. And we talked about the multi-country trade deals, using those deals as leverage on China. That he would like to see more of that from the Biden administration. And then he talked about looking forward to a Trump administration with the potential tariffs. And he just doesn't want any part of that. Jim, I thought it was a fairly, you know, benign conversation. But boy, there's a group out on, on social media that says, hey, let's hear the other side of this. So what is the other side of this? What's wrong with free trade?
7: Well, read Bob Lighthizer's book, Remember Last June, yep. No Free Trade. There, there's one answer. Two is that the other side is, as we say in Pro Forma this week, tariffs have apparently become good politics, Chip, both political parties. Mm-hmm. We have turned isolationist, protectionist, and that's scary. Our headline in page four is Trump's trade policy proposals, is scare tactic or scary? That's both sides, because some people say, oh, you're just trying to scare people with this. Trump and Lighthizer think that we've been taken for pansies relative to trade. There's your other side, Chip. They want to put a 10% across-the-board tariffs on most, if not all, uh, imports into this country to whittle down the trade deficit. And they're saying then uh, countries will still want to trade with us. I have my doubts on a couple countries, but still that is their approach right there. Yeah. Yeah,
6: Yeah. So it's feeding on the narrative of we're being taken advantage of. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when the the question is, if we just use USMCA as an example, has it not been reciprocal? What, what, What about that agreement? Isn't reciprocal? Like, you know, I, I just looked at beef. The last two years, Canada has imported each year 300,000 head of feeder cattle. Okay. And imported last year, about a hundred tons for for each of the last five years.
0: So a hundred tons of what? Of beef. Okay, Okay. Of box beef. Okay. So there's a
6: lot of, and you can pick on things that are not, like could be improved obviously dairy is is sure. one of them but there there is way more examples of how a free trade agreement like that and that is a free trade agreement how that provides opportunity for 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 both countries but if all you hear is we're being taken advantage of then that's what you're going to believe and so i like I'm just trying to understand what the other side is. And I I think the other side potentially is don't be in multilateral agreements. Be do what Lighthizer and Trump did, which was one offs. We're going to we're going to go at one country and we're going to like twist and, and grind them, you know, sort of like they did with Japan. And, and instead of being a part of the CPTPP, they did an agreement with Japan uh, that requires a lot more resources because then you got to do individual agreements with all of those countries that would have been in that multilateral deal. But if that's the path you choose to go, then that's the path you choose to go. But right. the, the whole idea behind the CPTPP was to act as a collective against China as a, as right. a China uh, anti-China policy. So,
0: yes, yeah, that is exactly right. It, it was about. uh you know, ganging up to gain leverage and uh, and and some some advantage over China in in some of the issues, and that's not happening. But you know, and and the Lighthizer book, I'll give it to you. You know, it's very very compelling, and it it does set up the the possibility if there is another Trump administration that these tariffs are going to be something that we're going to have to deal with uh, for at least four more years. Wow. We'll be right back.
5: From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time.
4: See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com.
3: Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena.
1: your favorite radio station or your preferred digital device. Agritalk is live
0: every weekday. All right. Welcome back to Agritalk. I'm your host, Chip Flory. We got the free-for-all going, Jim Weismeyer, Sean Haney. Before I get, Haney, you're going to be down in Houston next week at Commodity Classic, right? I am. Yes.
6: And I am really looking forward to it. This I've is it. like uh, fresh off of CattleCon. Uh, a couple weeks ago, now we we dive into the crop side with commodity classic. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a really good time. I, I think I'm there Thursday and Friday, so looking forward to it.
0: Good, good. Well, we will uh, we'll be uh, watching for you, and and we'll have to get together while we're down there. Uh, Big Apple Joe and I will be down there Wednesday through Friday, and and uh, we've got a full broadcast schedule that we will make sure that everybody is aware of before we get down there. Um Wiesmeyer, we got E15 available in the eight Midwest states that want it and I want to be happy about it but we got to wait until April of 2025 to get it at least on the permanent side uh Secretary Vilsack has indicated that there should be a reasonable assumption that there will be a waiver available for 2024, so that we can continue to get the unleaded 88. But, uh, yeah, it's progress, isn't it?
7: It's progress. But, again, it's like the football was taken away at the last time again. Yeah. And and Trump Trump did this, too, when he oh, tried yes. to, to, to appease both sides. Remember, with Senator Cruz on the rins and things like that. So Small refinery just, exemptions. Yes, it's just, you just shake your head. Now, it'll be curious when you're down at the Commodity Classic, Vilsack and Regan, EPA administrator, Michael Regan, will be there. So they'll spin it. They'll spin this and other things, but we'll see. But the big kahuna is coming up here, Chip, with the uh, uh, ethanol uh, uh, as eligible uh, sustainable aviation fuel feedstock, you know, We'll we'll see about that model. Yes. The, and then because we had some modifications of that in rumor mill this past week of whether or not uh, farmers are going to have to comply with climate smart practices. So
2: mm-hmm.
7: we're going to see on that. They tend to water down everything lately in the biofuels arena.
6: Yeah. Well, yeah. you saw this week Boeing was complaining about you know the 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 lack of action on sustainable aviation fuel basically saying there needs to be more supply
0: yeah yeah they they are looking for the product there's no no question about it well if we we need to have the pathway cleared for the production of said product and the best way to make that happen is don't make any major adjustments to the greet model Uh, regarding land use issues, and let's get corn-based ethanol as a a feedstock into sustainable aviation fuel, the old ethanol to jet that we've been talking about for quite some time. Um, Yeah, you know, it, it was a Reuters report that spun some uncertainty into it at the start of this week, Jim, but it was stuff that we already knew, wasn't it?
7: We we did know because they had, yes, I agree. They gave the signal that it was going to be a modified uh, yeah. GREET model. So, yeah, I, I thought, wow, what, what's the change here, you know? Yeah. Uh, but the market wanted to focus on that. Now, if, if in the analysis, I always want to wait to the official announcement to analyze it. But if it is detrimental at all, to the total uh, uh, volume of corn-based ethanol, you're going to go under four dollars longer than people think, Jeff.
0: Oh, I mm.
7: well, I, I was I just going to say, like
6: these markets could use some good news to find somewhat of a bottom here. Yeah, it's it's ugly. Yeah, oh,
0: yeah, we we certainly could use some good news, no doubt. Like we were talking about with Grady at the bottom of the hour, um, had we've still got a low at 398 and a half in March corn trading back on top of $4, but, uh, it, it it's no certainty that we're going to hang on there. We had a caller into yesterday's show yesterday afternoon show, Paul up in Northeast Nebraska, uh, Northeast Iowa, went to a, uh, a carbon intensity scoring meeting. Uh, it's one that Mitchell Hora continual mag, uh, put on and, um uh, uh Jimmy Emmons from Trust and Food was there as well. But what Paul learned at this meeting was get this. Based on what he is doing right now, his corn, his corn should be eligible for a dollar 10 in 45Z credits, dollar 10 a bushel in 45Z credits. Now, you split that between the ethanol plant and Paul And he says, you're talking about 55 cents a bushel, 200 bucks or a hundred bucks an acre. Let's do that all day long. He's willing to make that swap.
7: Yes. Wow.
0: Yeah. So, and that's without changing anything. Okay.
7: Yeah. That's it's got to be in a contract chip.
0: Oh, well, of course. Yeah, of, <laughs> in a of course. And
5: we are yeah, well, not going to shake hands see, on this one.
7: No, I'm beginning to see some of this. You know, you know, Peter Meyer was at the, uh, you, you know, top producer, top producer summit. Talked mm-hmm. about some of these things, and Arva, Arva Intelligence, who I know quite well, are putting, uh, you know, muscle into into their plan as well. Any farmer should at least look them up, by the way, because I think I think some good news is going to come out in the year in the year ahead on some really exciting stuff on carbon mitigation program on the positive side for farmers
0: yeah you know this is getting paid for what is already being done um you you can't double dip on these programs you can't go to one of the the carbon sequestration contracts and say yeah I want to be part of that change up process and get paid from them and get paid from the 45Z credits. That's how I understand it. But if you can work together with farmers around you to put the lowest carbon intensity score corn into an ethanol plant to get the lowest carbon intensity score corn possible, uh, ethanol possible out of that plant, man, oh man, it, it, it seems like that might be, there, there might be some opportunities there. All right, fellas, great work. We'll see you next week, Haney. Jim, have a great week.
7: Sure, thank you. All
0: Thanks, right, that, that is this week's free for all. Come back this afternoon. We're going to have a conversation with Darren Fry, Water Street Solutions, right here on AgriTalk.